Yokaso, welcome to Amakara Japan. Thank you for tuning in with us this week. It's Yasushi and me, Michelle, talking about Japanese headlines that might not hit the news articles in foreign countries. So we get together and discuss these things. So before we get started on the news articles, I do want to, this is our seventh episode, I believe. And we've had a couple of comments and feedbacks about what does Amakara Japan mean? How did we come up with that title? Actually, what does Amakara mean, Yasushi? Amakara, so ama is, comes from amai, which is sweet. Kara is the opposite, it's, it's spicy. So amakara together means sweet and sour at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so we chose this title because you get the sweetness of Japan as well as the spiciness, the sour, like you get all flavors of Japan with this uh, podcast. Yeah, so not, not just the good aspects of the Japanese you know, society or, or the politics, but also the, the bad things that we want to make it make better. So that is the background of why we have titled it Amakara Japan. Why we have titled it is a, mo- a little bit more complicated. You know, we discussed, we probably came up with, you know, um, 20, 30 different ideas, right? We did. And yeah, we spent more than one hour, two hours discussing. Yeah, I think we went back and forth on a few different titles. Yeah. But I thought that one just filled the role much better than any of the other titles that yeah, we yeah, had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Stephen, Michelle, and me, all three of us agreed on this and, you know, but it doesn't make much sense to the people who don't speak Japanese. It's just a cool sounding word though, amakara. Does it sound cool? It sounds cool. Yeah? Nice. Actually, I think there is a restaurant somewhere in America called amakara. Yeah? Yeah, because oh. I was looking up at, like I was Google searching amakara, randomly trying to find a podcast on Apple tunes or on itunes nice and it t- just put in amakara and it's like you want to eat at this restaurant oh. it's like oh no we've stolen their idea it's, it's like we're doing the advertisement for the restaurant <laughs> yep right maybe we can do the recording sometime you know there in the <laughs> there future. that's yeah. that's the goal this next amakara episode happens in amakara restaurant yeah. <laughs> yeah. to start off we are discussing some recent news headlines here in japan one of them as some of you have know the 2020 Olympics are coming to Tokyo, Japan. And because of that, the Tokyo Metropolitan Government is creating rules and regulations to crack down on companies who pay off gang members or the Yakuza so that the Yakuza will protect them, um, help them with any disputes that happen in there. So it's kind of the underground of of Japan where you know the the mafia here runs a lot of things and protects a lot of companies some of those entertainment companies or it's the clubs and the bars and and any kind of of those sketchy sort of businesses yeah. that that happen there's kind of an underbelly of them paying off the yakuza to make sure that they don't get in trouble with the police or they don't just think of the Godfather, <laughs> except yeah. in Japan. <laughs> yeah. And we, we call this Mikajime Ryo in Japanese, and it's like an open secret, right? Nobody wants to say that, uh, you know, if you're a store owner, you know, if you run a bar or nightclubs, you don't want to admit that you're paying these money to Yakuza, but it's an open secret. Everybody knows. 
Ah, so the government is trying to stop these shops and these companies from paying the yakuza. To they're actually there. There's like a year in prison, and I think a five hundred thousand and fine associated with it, which is five thousand dollars. Yeah, roughly five thousand U.S. dollars. Yeah. yeah. So, so they're trying to stop and prohibit this from from happening. Something that I found interesting in the article was that in part of these regulations, they also want to stop these shops from luring customers into the shop or finding prospective workers. Mm. So a lot of the time in some of these areas in Tokyo, um, Kabukicho, uh, Roppongi in Minatoku, Ginza, in some of these areas, there's these women's clubs or these shops where women are kind of out there trying to solicit men into these these bars as well as men trying to solicit women to work for these companies and as safe as japan has been there have been a couple instances for me myself where i was walking around in kabukicho mm. and had a little bit of harassment from men like yeah. callers going sumimasen excuse mm. me you're an american right do mm. you want to come work for us and it was mm. it was scary it was a little frightening to walk in some of these areas mm. yeah. late at night i mean nothing ever happened they were they were menacing but polite yeah, yeah they're, they're very polite <laughs> yeah and they talked to pretty much every foreigner who walked down the you know the streets so yeah. So it's it was just kind of unnerving. I never felt like I was in danger. I think there was one instance where someone actually did reach out and kind of grab my arm while I was walking by. Yeah. And they're like, hey, I'm talking to you. And I was like, ah, just keep walking. Yeah. So I'm glad that the government is trying to stop that sort of policy with these companies, yeah. that they're not soliciting people to come into the, the shops. Do you feel like the Tokyo Metropolitan Government is going to be successful in... I don't know that that's really, you know, this, this is not an easy problem. I can see why government wants to stop the shops to pay, you know, these uh, protection fees to gangs. It's not easy for the, the owners of the bars or the nightclubs. I don't know how, how they would react. Of course, they don't want to pay these protection fees either. Yeah. But if they've been doing this for decades, right? many many years so if once they stop it they have to explain why they stop to the gangs and you can see the gangs are going to be really you know furious Mm -hmm. i think government has to start thinking about how to protect the owners Mm. or the staff as well yeah right like there's one part to be like in trouble with the law there's another part to be in trouble with the gang and the yakuza Yeah. yeah If you look at it, they, they've kind of depended upon each other for many years, right? Store owners needed protection, gangs offered it. It's like their business. Mm-hmm. But if the, the suddenly this law comes into effect and the owners stop paying the money to gangs, the gang is going to lose the important income. Of course, they have to start terrorizing some of the owners. So I, I think some stores are still going to continue paying you know, under the table, oh. they they would probably claim that they don't they stop paying, but you would never know. Yeah, and maybe they'll just like I'll pay the five thousand or five hundred yen, five hundred thousand n fine, five thousand yeah. dollar fine, yeah, and just be like, you know what, my safety is in peril. If, right. So and plus, they have to come up with another way to protect their 
stores, right? They have to hire some bodyguards, or but usually in those areas,、uh, it's better to have scary-looking guy rather than a you know the watchman who is in like in the sixties or seventies, right? <laughs> Uh, it it'll be interesting. I mean, I know that they're trying to clean up and make prepare, but I mean, as long as I've been here in Japan, I haven't really seen any yakuza. There's some people that I'm like, maybe、yeah. it's not like you get into like the Italian mafia and、mm. New York City and New、yeah. Jersey and that like you know you're in their territory.、Yeah. So either I haven't come across that, but、yeah. I feel like the yakuza are much more polite and <laughs> <Yeah> . not as Dangerous per se, unless、yeah. you're in that sort of gang-related、right. sort of society. So,、yeah. whether or not the government can be successful in stopping、mm. this, or just let it be, just let it be, Tokyo.、Yeah. <laughs> All right. The next article that we want to discuss is、um, a recent survey was conducted in June on、uh, the working hours of Japanese teachers,、uh, mostly elementary and junior high school students. Teachers. They interviewed how many countries? Thirty, forty-eight. Forty-eight countries, something 40, like that. Yeah, close to fifty countries around the world. Around the world, yeah. About working hours, what their time is dedicated to. Japan was the country that had the longest working hours for teachers. They worked, I think it was fifty-six hours a week. And the average was thirty, thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. Yeah, I think so. It so was... yeah, the Japanese teachers. Work close to forty percent more than than the average,、mm-hmm. and so. But what's interesting is that even though they work forty percent more than the average or internationally compared to other foreign countries, their time spent teaching is less than what foreign countries teach. So I believe the it was eighteen hours. Yeah, was the average time. Hours. Average is twenty.、Uh, average, that's right. Average is twenty hours in the classroom teaching students. Yeah. And Japan, they only had eighteen hours, so that's、right. two hours difference of actually teaching in the classroom. The article goes on to say, okay, so if they're not teaching in the classroom, what are they spending? What are Japanese teachers spending their time with? And a lot of it is extracurricular activities. Uh, being the coaches, teaching club activities, and and other. Uh, group activities at school, a little bit is dealing with administrative work. Others is kind of doing lesson plans and everything、yeah. like that. In looking at this research in this article, we know Japanese cultures they overwork themselves. It's just part of the culture. No matter what job industry you're in, you work very very long hours. But a part of me, I don't think it's bad that they teach less in the classroom because I feel like. A lot of teaching is the social skills of、mm. junior high and high school or elementary school. is is not necessarily book learning, but also learning to communicate, learning the social skills with people, and you get that in club activities. Yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Yes, but the thing is, the total hours of spent in working is considerably higher than the average, right?、Okay. So it's just teachers are exhausted. Um, there's enormous pressure on the teachers. It's I think we talked about this, right? Yeah, I、teachers、think so. Teachers <laughs> are super busy, and I think there was another question. I think on this survey, they asked、um, the teachers that if they could have another life, do you want to be a teacher again? And the answer 
percentage of people who said yes to this question, Japan was the lowest. Really? Yeah. So although they like their work and they, they have the passion in teaching, but they don't want to be a teacher again. It's like they got into the industry for the love of teaching and then realized all the issues that associated with it and yeah. are too dedicated to their job to quit and find something else, but right. they wouldn't do it over yeah, again. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of see that from this, the survey results, right? Yeah. You love teaching, but it looks like other countries, teachers spend about half of their working hours on teaching. Japanese teachers spend about a third. It's not some, you, you spend majority of time doing other, other than teaching. Correct. Yeah. But it is still associated with teaching, like I said, as yeah. you have the, like the other activities. Yeah. Something else that was interesting in the article was it was talking about, in the survey, they had asked the question of how many times do you ask questions to your students where there's not a, a solid answer yeah. or questions that make the students think critically, you yeah. know, of, yeah. of critical thinking skills. Yeah. And it was less than 15% on that, like 10 to 15% yeah. Japanese teachers never would ask any sort of critical thinking yeah. questions yeah. or open-ended questions that don't really have a definite answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was surprising to me that there's, they're teaching, but it's all just like two plus two is four. Like, yeah, and it's, it's all memorizing. It's yeah. all, yeah, memorizing yeah. facts. It's actually not that surprising for Japanese people because we haven't done... You know, teachers always teach something that they have the answers. But that's not how the world works. I mean, not you need anymore. to think critically. Yeah. And in, in the industrial era, like in the, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, the Japanese education, the purpose of the, the education in Japan was basically educate people so that they can work in factories. So there are always answers and the right method and people who could do the work faster was greatly better. But now, you know, the, the, all the robots and AI coming up the, and they're going to take up majority of the work that we have now. All of a sudden, we started to realize that Japanese people need to get more creative. Right. <laughs> Do you feel like after this study has been done, I know that the government, they reacted to the survey very surprisingly. They were very shocked by the results and they're taking it like uh, treating it like a crisis yeah. essentially and that the government okay for 2020 2021 we're going to change some of our curriculum do you feel like they might bring in more critical thinking and will the teachers be prepared to teach that to the students i think the change is going to happen very slowly but it's it's not that easy you know because they have never taught those things until today so they don't know how mm. right? there are not many experts on that field either and the, just the fact that we have that critical thinking critical thinking right we we just use the english word shows that we don't have that um concept mm. right just gonna steal <laughs> other languages and yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean we have the translation but we i think still many people use critical thinking the katakana version of of the word yeah well i I think, like you said, it is going to be a slow transition. And I feel like the teachers now, they learned through that industrial sort of way, yeah. way of thinking. And I don't think it's going to be until the next generation comes and 
has to learn with AI and robots, and they have adapted to learning critically that they become the teachers teaching the next generation. Yeah. So I don't think in this generation it's going to happen, yeah. but the next generation I think it could maybe go a little bit faster because they're forced to have to think critically yeah. and not in the industrial revolutionized way mm. of doing Another it. thing I want to mention is most teachers have never worked, you know, had a job in, in the business world. Right? They don't have business experience, so they don't know what it's like to you know, lose their jobs um, replaced by robots and AIs. When you don't have that experience, it's hard to teach, uh-huh. right? Or they were not taught in this way when they, they, when they were students. So, and they don't know how to think critically to solve the problems. <laughs> right. <where it's> coming. <laughs> yeah. So it's a vicious cycle. It is. Although yeah. I've seen some robots, like they're bringing in robots to teach English. Mm. I've seen in a couple of like the countryside schools and areas yeah. where they just don't have the resources. So they have a, a robot like yeah. Pepper that comes yeah. and is teaching English to students. So yeah. teachers are still being affected by yeah. the AI and the increase in technology. So mm. they might be like, look, we have a robot that can take your position now. We mm. don't need you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. who knows? All right, and the last topic we want to discuss is customer service jobs. I think it's a very worldwide known concept that the customer is always right or the customer is king. But when you work in these customer-related industries, as a staff member, you get the grunt and the brunt of a lot of complaints, really obnoxious customers, and I think it affects those workers. Yeah. So there was an article kind of discussing the labor laws that have been passed since like the 1990s and 2004, 2006 of giving the customers more rights to being right and thus giving them the leeway to take out their rage on employees. Yeah. I think this customer is king or customer is God, we we say this in Japanese, is probably stronger than other countries. I think so. Customer is always right is what's in America, but customer is king is, oh, that's... Because most Japanese people, when they go abroad, you know, they they are oftentimes surprised by how they are treated, you know. They they thought they are the guests, right? They are the customers. They sh- they're supposed to be treated like, you know, special guests. But sometimes the staff or the waiters, you know, throw the, the dishes on the table or... Yeah, I think there was one example where uh, a woman says that there's a customer who comes weekly and is just constantly berating her one customer or one staff employee said a customer called them fat and ignorant and like yelled at them for getting their order wrong and i mean just to the extent where i think this pent-up rage that salarymen and just other workers they have no other outlet and so their outlet is now to go to these food shops or retail shops and just take out all their anger yeah which is is sad Yeah, yeah so i think this is a new kind of uh a new form of harassment that we have. We have sexual harassment. We have um, what we call power harassment in Japanese. It's like an abuse of authority, mm-hmm. you know, the harassment by their bosses um, mostly. And this customer harassment is the new sort of new concept <laughs> that we have. How do you feel like this can get fixed or is it? So I think that we've, j- this is a pretty new concept, right? We, we just started to recognize it. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
that there is this problem. But then, you know, dealing with this is difficult because obviously if you do not um, deal with customers in a polite manner, you might lose their trust and you might lose your important revenue, mm. right? So I think some businesses are still opposed to this idea of sort of, you know, banning customer harassment. Yeah, it's, they're just going to allow it to... Yeah exist just because that's our business that's what's getting the revenue in yeah, there yeah so i think just recently the international labor organization the international you know the, the the major group has adopted a new treaty that bans all kinds of harassment including this customer harassment and japan has ratified this treaty mm-hmm. but then oh so th- this treaty has been adopted so but in order to ratify this treaty japan has to have its own, you know, law in Japan. Have a domestic law before they can adopt the international law. Right. And that we're still waiting to see, but we we don't know because, like I said, some major business leaders are opposed to introducing this idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the reasons is it's it's hard to distinguish what is considered to be customer harassment and what, what is not. Or if you have just like, hey, you sold me the wrong stuff. But I think, again, it's how it's handled. I mean, yeah. someone can go and be like, hey, I ordered a hamburger. You gave me chicken, you know, and politely exchange that. Yeah. But if you go there and you're like throwing the hamburger at their yeah. face. And yeah. I think you can kind of tell the harassment of, yeah. of those that, yeah. that go above and beyond being a kind yeah. customer. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's just, I, I think there was something in the article talking about there was one gentleman who apologized for getting the order wrong and went to the customer's house to mm. apologize and was at the customer's house for five hours, mm. probably taking a beratement. That's crazy. So it's, I, I think like there's a balance giving the customers the rights to complain, but also protecting your employees and their own just like self-esteem yeah. and self-confidence to where they're not in danger or feel awful associated yeah. with these things. So there's another survey done by the 80,000 respondents. The 70% of the respondents have experienced some kind of customer harassment in the past. So that's, <laughs> you can see how common it is. Yeah. But mostly the Japanese customers are very polite, right? Mm-hmm. So you probably get to see that once a year or so. Right. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah, and it's usually, I think from what I saw, is it's usually the older men, like the old salary men who've just had 50, 60 years plus yeah. of horrible life and <laughs> poor wages and this power harassment from yeah. their bosses. So yeah. they just, so, yeah. but I think that's across the board. It's always the old angry men <laughs> getting mad at the yeah. stores. All right. Well, thank you for joining us with Amakata Japan. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed hearing about these news topics and a little bit more insight about Japan and and the people here. Please tune in next week and we hope you continue listening to us. Thank you for joining me, Sushi, and for the excellent conversation. Thank you. All right. We will see you next week. Matane. Sayonara. Thank mm-hmm. you.